0: Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Maud Med. Do your EHR and PM adapt to your style of practice? The ModMed EHR and PM do with benefits like remembering preferences and automatically suggesting documentation and billing codes. Urologists voted ModMed the number one urology specific EHR and PM solution available. Built by urologists with input from yours truly. Stop wasting 60 minutes and 200 for each of your open or no show slot. Go to modmed.com slash PRS network set up an appointment with the team at ModMed Urology, and shift your urology practice into high gear. Imagine a solution on a tablet or the web that works seamlessly with revenue cycle management, analytics, telehealth, payment processing, patient engagement tools, and much more. ModMed is transforming healthcare by placing doctors and patients at the center of care.
0: Welcome to episode 163 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And on today's episode, we're going to answer some questions that came into the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Group and also a couple of questions that came into our Urology Coding course. So we want to dive into those questions. We're going to talk a, a little bit about hiring a certified coder. Where do you do that? How do you find one? Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, a catheter pull outside the global and what that uh, code needs to be and how you can build that. And the final two questions we're going to cover are uh, one that uh, is one question that was asking about the modifier required uh, designation in the bundling matrix in coding today, what modifiers you can use, what you should use, and then finally uh, an assistant in surgery question. All right. Let's get this started. Uh we had a question come in from Brad and Brad asked uh, Brad says that we are looking to hire a certified coder. We're open to the position being remote if the candidate has radiology experience, if anyone is interested or or uh knows of anybody, let let him know. So that was a question that came in and uh Mark, do you want to answer that question? How can we help? What do you recommend? For that group
1: to do, sure, so um there's a couple options. obviously, um, certified coders um, have been difficult to find, especially with urology experience. So those of you who are out there um have have value, and you hopefully your practices are recognizing that um as you go through and and certainly, trying to find on various message boards, like Brad is doing, um, is one way to try and find some folks. Um, And I can tell you we've been um, finding some coders here and there um, and have had a need recently for that. But we do have, um, if there are groups out there that need part-time coding assistance or full-time coding assistance, um, PRS uh, managed services does have that support available to you with urology specific experience. Um, we have a couple we have several different ways that we can assist um, in the coding, billing uh, process. We do things anywhere from chart ab- abstraction, meaning we read the documents and code them for you and get them back to your billing staff. Um, or, um, and then any down into, uh, some groups have asked us just to double check that the, the codes chosen are correct with modifiers and compliant with NCDs or LCDs. So, um, there are a number of options that we can help with, um, but, um, and, and, and certainly are, are willing to entertain those if you'd like to contact us. Um, but. Uh, there, you know, and the and the other options are really trying to look around because um, the, the the those experienced urology coders are are harder to find. Um, and ultimately, I we have found over time that a CPC, um, while an excellent base of education, um, is not necessarily uh, all encompassing. Everyone that we've brought in with CPCs. Um, we've needed to, to do some extra training to, to really be able to apply the concepts of a CPC to the um, billing and coding world um, that we're up against in urology and understanding some of the nuances of the urology practice and what some of the terms mean. And um, it takes time to build that skill set and it takes training. So um, if you bring in a certified coder, Um, that has some experience in urology, that's an excellent starting point. But even those folks um, and even our folks, like we are, constantly learning, re-educating, and and moving forward to try and keep up with the nuances of coding as everybody tries to figure out how to apply these rules and deal with the payers who are constantly changing these rules. It's a a constant uh, chef- chess battle not a chef I feel like a chef sometimes but a chess battle yeah and we do uh, through PRS we do offer
0: urology specific coding certification so if you do hire a certified coder and you need that extra training uh, we do have that available and we'll put a link to that on the uh, page uh, the episode page. So you can review that and just have a little bit more information. So we do uh, offer training in that and continuing education. As Mark mentioned, you just have to uh, keep up with all the changes and everything that's coming out. You can't just learn this once and, and expect to be proficient at it for the long run. You got to keep up on it and keep practicing, keep learning. Uh Ray, questions, comments.
2: Yes, Mark share with the, uh, Everyone, in a little more detail: how you hire uh, freshly graduated CPC coders, and how you bring them up to speed on being uh, a urology coder.
1: Sure. So, what we've been doing recently is when we when we get a new a newly minted CPC, uh, we oftentimes starting start them out working with the PRS certification course. Um, and then the other thing we do is we add them to our um, the AR team, our, our accounts receivable team. And we've moved our accounts receivable team up in the process. We're looking at claims before they go out the door, um, double-checking that everything is correct. Um, then some of our skilled people um, are part of that process. So under their tutelage, we start them there. Um, And then the other thing we do is we add them to our weekly coding class that we do internally, um, where we do chart reviews, we give them experience, um, but we review all that they do before it goes out the door. um, And once they get to the point where uh, their accuracy is at the level that we wish they understand, the terminology and some of the nuances of coding, um, then we can move them into the coding side. But we've definitely found that they need that combination of the AR workflow um, and what goes into claims and claims follow-up in addition to that additional clinical language training that needs to be in place. So, it's a it's a bit of a process that we it takes to get everybody in and it's certainly one um that we've invested a lot in um and um it's great to have that group together cuz even our experienced coders and and billers you know have some concepts that they've learned over time that we need to um discuss and pot- potentially change so that constant feedback and having everybody top to bottom in the same educational setting, so we can have discussions has been very helpful in bringing everyone um, to the level that we need for our coding teams. All right.
0: Okay. Let's move on to the next question. Next question is from Jennifer. Jennifer uh, states that, uh, Patient has a nurse visit for removal of a Foley catheter that was placed during a procedure with a zero-day global, like a TURBT. The visit was two days after the surgery. The documentation by the nurse states, patient in for Foley catheter removal, 10 milliliters of sterile water removed from the balloon, balloon deflated, Foley cath removed, patient tolerated well. Question is, should we be billing a 99211 nurse visit or a 51700 for bladder irrigation or is this considered part of the surgical package and would not be billable at all? And it looks like we had and Laura had the same question, so a couple of questions out there about this.
1: What do you got, Mark? Yeah, so there is no code for a catheter removal and you know this documentation really does not support a 51700 which is a bladder irrigation so you know a bladder irrigation requires that you're actually putting usually sterile water into the bladder and irrigating it you know after the procedure is over you're remo- you're removing the catheter so in this particular instance without a, another code for catheter removal which we do not have the appropriate coding for a nurse only Encounter like this would be a 99211. You are outside the global, so there's no reason to consider this a global. Would be a billable encounter uh, as a 99211.
0: Ray, comments? No comment. All right. Next question. Uh, my question is, what if I use a modifier that coding today indicate when coding today indicates a modifier is required, and um, I'm assuming that... Uh, they're looking at the bundling matrix and the bundling matrix is indicating that two codes can be built together with a modifier required okay and she's asking that the ind- and the insurance company still denies the second procedure with a modifier as indicated in the primary procedure so she looks on Cody today she sees that there is bundling allowed with a modifier and they get a denial for that. Is this appealable? And the example that she used was the 52332 and the 52005 with a 59 modifier. All right, I, there's kind of several questions that need to be answered there. Uh, you want to break down the question within the question and then answer that specific question, I guess, Mark.
1: Yeah. So, unfortunately, the 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 bigger question is very broad, right? That if you use a modifier, and the insurance company still denies the claim, you know, ultimately, if you feel that documentation supports the modifier that you used, then uh, you definitely want to, with the documentation, appeal that. That appeal process is one that you should utilize freely if you if you've got that information. So, uh, and payers are, are often going to put denials back at you simply because they, <laughs> they're fishing for the documentation. And ultimately, the insurance companies will deny appropriately coded claims looking for that uh, documentation because they don't want to pay the claims that you've submitted. So, and, and because insurance companies typically uh, see that a denial uh, at least 50% of the time is just accepted, it's a win for them. So uh, you don't want to let them get away with denying something that should be paid. So feel free to appeal those things. Now, you do need to take a close look at what you're doing and why before before you run those appeals. So number one, review the records. And number two, um, uh, make the decision that you've got it supported or not, and then make that secondary piece it was to whether whether or not you're going to run that appeal. In this particular instance, um or for the code example, she gave us um the five two zero zero five and the five two three three two are ones that are bundled um, with a with modifier allowed. And ultimately, when you think about the overall concept of what you're trying to do with the insertion of a ureteral stent, if you need to do a five two zero zero five catheterization and inject an installation in order to get the imaging in place, so that you can place the stent correctly, that one's the uh, that one's should be considered included as. A necessary part of the insertion of the stent. Um, if, on the other hand, you've actually placing a stent in one side and you're uh, doing a ureteral catheterization for imaging on the other side, which was which is healthy but maybe has some other issues, and you've got a medically necessary reason to do the other side, then you might want to run the appeal. So. You've got to consider not only the bundling rules and the overall um, documentation, but also consider conceptually, you know, what is a global and what is not based on the rules. And we've talked about global quite a bit uh, over the years and know that any approach, um, imaging and those things that are required to accomplish a procedure are not ones that you should try and piecemeal out and bill separately. So it's hard to answer her specific question on the 52005 and the 52332 without looking at the final documentation. So I'm not sure if she should appeal that. Um, But if it is a circumstance where it was medically necessary to accomplish both procedures and they are unrelated, then by all means, appeal with the documentation you have.
0: Ray comments. Uh,
1: Well,
2: I I guess we ought to comment a little bit on the fact that coding today, uh, in addition to the bundling matrix, if you look under each code, it will show you that the modifiers that could be used. uh, In uh, the 5, it says don't use, and then it gives you situational modifiers and And situational modifiers are just what Mark explained uh, under certain circumstances, you can use the fifty nine modifier, but under other circumstances, you cannot. Codes that are bundled are bundled for a reason that means in certain cases they should not be billed together, so you need to have that basic knowledge. An understanding of the concepts in order to appropriately know when to use the modifier and when to appeal.
0: And it uh, is helpful if in the documentation, the urologist or the APP can help lead that coder to that conclusion by knowing the rules as well. Is that correct?
2: Yes, that's the reason we encourage physicians to learn how to document not only what they did and why they did it, but also the circumstances which allows the coder to know whether to use the modifier or not. All right. Okay, let's go on to the final question.
0: Final question is about uh, cystinic surgery. And this came up in the coding course, and was in reference to the module on assistant ed surgery. So, to clarify, assistant surgeon is the assistant surgery completely separate from a pre-op consult to place a stent for ureteral identification?
1: This is kind of interesting to try and read between the lines exactly what was going on here. So, um, if uh, you uh, you as a, a physician are, I'm, I'm assuming, consulting with another physician, so let's say an OBGYN um, is uh, doing an operation on a patient, and that patient, there's there's a But complication that they call in a urologist to see what they should do. So you've got that consultation or the interop consult or a pre-op consult in this particular case, whether or not the patient, you know, the urologist needs to be involved, would be an assumption. Um, Then that should be separately billable. Now placing stents for ureteral identification. Um, that may not be something that you would report as an assistant surgeon. So that, you know, lighted stents and those types of things, uh, the, you know, typically for a surgery for identification can be reported under 52005, which doesn't allow an assistant. And then if you go on to actually be a part of that procedure and, you know, that then put you into that assistant at surgery mode, um, that is where you're going to have some separate issues. But your intraoperative consult and the the expertise that you're providing should be separated from that um, assistant at surgery if, in fact, that was a medically necessary encounter and that encounter was focused on working with the patient and helping to decide um, what needed to be done to treat the patient's problem.
0: So, if the urology was called in for a bladder repair uh, by an OBGYN and does the bladder repair, that is not an assistant in surgery. The urologist just bills the bladder repair, correct?
1: Yes. So, that it really depends on what's, what's being done and how involved the urologist gets in the overall case, but typically um, the urologist being called in in a circumstance like that would do the interop consult and, and then decide to scrub in and then bill for the services that they provided and not be actually coding as an assistant surgeon. Uh, um, that would be the typical portion that we would see or the coding that we would see.
0: Ray, comments, question?
2: No, I I think that's pretty clear. I'll just add that the only, I was trying to think of the hysterectomy and the OBGYN and the urologist involvement. The only time I can think of they would charge an assistant surgeon is if the OBGYN knew that this was going to be a very complicated case with a lot of danger to the ureters and the are the bladder, and they asked the urologist to assist in the surgery, and they actually actually acted as the assistant surgeon, but otherwise, any procedure the urologist is asked to do at the same time they're doing the hysterectomy should be charged separately and does not uh, and should not be charged as assistant surgeon.
0: All right. Okay, let's wrap this episode up here. I uh, will remind you that if you need a certified coder and you would like uh, input from PRS or like PRS's help in in the short-term situation or a long-term situation, you can go to our episode page, and that's at prsnetwork.com forward slash 162 for episode 162, and There's a link there, and you can send us an email, and we'll get back in touch with you and uh, help work that out with you. Um, Also, on that episode page, there is a link with a discount code for the Urology Advanced Coding and Reimbursement Seminars in Las Vegas and New Orleans. In January uh, is New Orleans, and December of 2023 is Las Vegas. So you can click on that link and use the discount code And for our listeners, uh, you will receive a break on the payment the investment. Okay, let's get some final thoughts and uh, we'll end it. Uh, Mark, final thoughts.
1: Yeah, so I I guess going back to a couple of the questions we answered, um, you know, with appeals to insurance companies, definitely don't let them off the hook. Um, run those appeals with those denials. If you're doing things right and you have the documentation, you need to fight to get paid. Um, so, uh, make sure that you're doing that. They're not going to play the game fairly. Um, and then, you know, relative to, to making sure that you're using modifiers correctly and billing appropriately for all of your encounters. Yeah. Make sure you understand the the concepts of, of billing overall. So uh it's it's always a good um it's always good to 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 get your education up, get the documentation lined up, and make sure that you are accurately recording the services you provide and why. Ray, final thoughts.
2: Uh we've always uh sort of tried to encourage the thought of the billing process being a team effort and and everybody on the team has to know their job and know it well and that starts with the physician and the uh, the the providers that provide care and do the documentation you You have to understand the concepts. In order to identify the the appropriate documentation, because it all starts with identification, and then documentation. And if the urologist does not understand the concepts, they may not document the circumstances to the point that the biller can add the appropriate modifier. So. We again would encourage you to become knowledgeable about the coding concepts and documentation for reimbursement. All right. That's all for today. Ray, take us out. Happy coding.
0: Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, Caducery.